You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. On today's episode, we're going to listen to some commentary from Kyle Whittingham as he joined Matt Berry on SportsCenter and talked about the season, some interesting answers for Kyle Whittingham. Also, uh, Matt Berry knows exactly who Kyle Whittingham is, and we'll leave it at that. We'll also talk a little bit about the alleged rumors of Kyle Whittingham retiring that were circling around certain areas of the internet yesterday. And then we'll get to a mailbag where we answer all of your questions and try not to uh, completely embarrass ourselves. All that on today's episode, a Friday episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for November 19th, 2021. Utah friends and family, thank you for joining me, Brian Brown, your host on today's episode of the Locked On Utes podcast. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. I a a a winter breeze has blown in my ear that Locked On Utes on YouTube is nigh. So uh, we'll keep that thing going. Today's episode is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Wanted to talk a couple things here in the opening segment regards to Kyle Whittingham. A rumor started to float around a little bit that he might be retiring at the end of the season. That rumor was supposedly accredited to SI and and some SI people. Um, Here's my take on this. And we're going to start out like this one uh, very strong. uh, Start out the episode with this one very strong. There are maybe a handful of people who know uh, Kyle Whittingham's intentions. Uh, I don't think that Kyle Whittingham's telling industry sources from Sports Illustrated when he's going to retire. This is a man who won't even confirm if Tavion Thomas is going to play on Saturday because he is so convinced that it's giving him some sort of edge, right? Won't answer uh, season-ending injuries with two weeks left. It's the biggest game of the year. Just the fact that those two things coincide, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a coincidence. It is not. Um, Kyle Whittingham plays everything close to the vest. He doesn't like anything being out in the open. So I have a hard time understanding how people far removed from the situation would know that information. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not true, Uh, but I think the only people who truly know what Kyle Whittingham's plans are are Kyle Whittingham and his family, and I doubt that his family is out there talking about the fact that he's going to retire at the end of this year. Could he retire at the end of this year? Absolutely, Uh, but I don't think that that is something that he is out spreading, and so it's got to be people who are either making assumptions or who have um, you know, maybe talked to people who think that Kyle is retiring uh, and, and that's gotten somehow lost in the translation. 
I think it's been a very difficult year, and I think you can tell by these comments that we're going to play from a Kyle Whittingham interview with Matt Berry on SportsCenter, and, and we can only play a couple segments of it, but I think they're really informative and really fascinating. But you can tell how much this year's dragged on him. But at the same time, there is a sense of purpose in, in his commentary in terms of how he views this season, the importance of it to him. And I just I think the other part of it, too, Kyle Whittingham has spent the last – however many years uh since 1994 essentially helping to build this program if he were to leave after this year it would leave the program in some very let's call it unstable circumstances right like like there's not a clear replacement for kyle whittingham at this point i think the heir apparent at one point in time was morgan scally that's probably changed after the 2020 summer uh, reports of, of Scali using uh, racial slurs. And and although I think that Scali has done his best to make reparations for that, I just don't know that there's enough of a um, stability in, in, in the world that we live in today and everything like that for him to become a head coach at the University of Utah. It is a different world um, than it was, you know, back when Scali actually used the terms allegedly. And I just, you know, I think it's it's a for a university that has been, you know, in the in the news for all the wrong reasons for for a lot of the past couple of years. It's a very very precarious move to make, and so that puts you in an odd situation in terms of who do you go after next. There's not a lot of candidates out there that are obvious. Uh, some people might say Kalani Sitaki. Kalani's going to have a lot of opportunities with other jobs. I don't know that he necessarily wants to come back to Utah, especially when he has the opportunity to go to Washington, maybe, or USC or some of the others. Um, so it's just, it, it's a very fascinating situation. I think it's fascinating that this rumor starts popping up the same weekend that Utah is rolling out the red carpet for a massive recruiting weekend. Uh, Nate Johnson, Utah commit, is taking an unofficial. I've heard that Lander Barton may be taking an unofficial, that Carson Tabarachi may be taking an unofficial, that there are several recruits coming in that we can't really even talk about at this point in time because Utah is, is so embedded in the process with them that they don't want other teams to come in and invade them. So I find that to be very fascinating. I think that all strung together really leads me to a conclusion of whoever it is that's spreading this either has an agenda against Kyle Whittingham's thing at the University of Utah or uh, it's someone that's mis misconstrued some some conversation or some information. So, again, Kyle Whittingham, probably the only one who knows, perhaps Kyle Whittingham's family, maybe Mark Harlan, but, it, you know, it, it would be a very uh, understandable move for Kyle Whittingham to make. You know, I, I think he's earned the opportunity to go out on his own own time whenever he's ready. But at the same time, I, I have a hard time believing that a man who has spent so much time and devoted so much time and energy to this program, I have a hard time that he would leave it this year with everything being so unstable and, and kind of uh, up in the air still, regardless of if they win a Pac-12 championship in a Rose Bowl. Having said that, I think it's time now to listen to the comments that Kyle Whittingham made to Matt Berry on SportsCenter earlier Thursday. What a season it's been. How would you describe this season for your team? Wow. Uh, you know, we're in adversity. It's, it's been uh, challenging, obviously. Uh, you know, our team has gone through a lot in the last year, and uh, they're losing two players. 
It's just devastating uh, and tragic. Um, but I think our guys have, have done a great job of, of uh, staying positive and uh, working through things. You know, or this is the type of thing that uh, you know we're not going to get over it, but we'll get through it. And that's that's what we're doing. And, and uh, we've had great leadership from our upperclassmen. And uh, I'm very proud of our guys for the way they've handled it. Yeah, Coach, you bring that up. You and your team have had to endure those two tragedies with the players that lost their lives, Ty Jordan in December and then Aaron Lowe on September 26th. So how did you comprehend and handle something so sudden with your team? Well, it was, you know, it was uh, something that you don't have a, a blueprint for. Definitely the most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with as a coach and, and the biggest challenge. Um, you know, it was two different uh, circumstances when we lost the players. We lost Ty during a break. Everyone was at home. Uh, it was the Christmas break and nobody was was in town. So we had to do everything via Zoom with uh, team meetings and so forth. Uh, and then when Aaron passed, it was uh, right in the season, you know, during the season. And so uh, a whole different dynamic. Um, you know, we took the team in both instances uh, over to Texas for the for the uh, memorial services. And I think that gave our guys some closure. Um and we've also done, a, in my opinion, a terrific job, uh, you know, as a, as a university and as a program of memorializing these two guys and, and making sure that uh, they stay in the forefront of our minds. You know, Coach, and I'm interested because was coaches handle their weekdays so structured. You're a football coach. You're about discipline. And then something like this happens. How did this change you? Well, it caused you to reflect and understand that uh, there's certainly things that are a lot bigger in football and a lot more important, and uh, the fragility of life, um, and to appreciate every day and every opportunity that you have. And those are some interesting comments from Kyle, some really good questions from Matt Barry on a subject that I think has been uh, very deeply discussed throughout the season. Um, But I thought it was important to kind of get – the tone and the perspective of Kyle as he talks about that kind of stuff. And I think for someone who has been through so much, I think the perspective is evident in terms of how he's coaching now. And I think he's coaching more uh, to heal this team, to make sure that these guys are engaged, that they're having fun, that they're growing together, uh, that they're enthusiastic about the day. It's a very different approach. The sideline is much more energized. The team is much more energized. And so I I think that there is an appreciation for every day that he has right now coaching this team and being around these guys. And I think that's a big difference for for this program and for how they've played. And I think Cam Rising has been a big part of it. I think, uh, you know, Britton Covey is an amazing leader. Devin Lloyd, this is a special team. And so, you know, like I said, I don't know that anybody else other than Kyle Whittingham really knows what his plan is after this season. If he were to leave, you know, I would wish him the best. He deserves every opportunity to do whatever he wants uh, after what he's given to this university. Uh, But that, to me, sounds like a man who is just trying to take it day by day right now and appreciate everything that is coming his way. Uh, Along the football side of things, I think Matt asked him an interesting question and got a really uh, fascinating response from him here. In this crazy world of college football coaching, leading up to this game Saturday, how would you describe those 141 wins that you've amassed at Utah? Wow. Uh, well, first of all, it's been a heck of a ride. I, I feel blessed. 
I feel fortunate. Obviously, you know the, the shelf life of a coach typically is is much less than uh, than what I've uh, been able to experience here at Utah. Uh, very grateful. There's a lot of gratitude in my heart for for uh, the run that uh, we've had here. Uh, fortunate to have really good players come through here, and that that's what a, a, a milestone, I guess you can call it, like that is all about. It's it's the players. It's the assistant coaches that have stood side by side with you, and really, uh, it's a program uh, goal—or not goal, but a program uh, milestone—and something that uh, is accomplished by many, many people. It really has been fun to watch what you've done with that program at Utah once you guys got into the Pac-12. And, Coach, if it means anything, at 62 years old, I'd still put you at the top of a list of coach I wouldn't want to get in a cage fight with. So, if that means anything to you, there, there's a, a final compliment for you. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Coach, best of luck this Saturday. Can't wait to watch you. 730 Eastern ABC against Oregon. Kyle Whittingham, head coach of Utah. Coach, thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. You know I was going to let that uh, go through without throwing in the question about the cage match as well because Kyle Whittingham is the last person I'd want to get in a cage match with. Um, but I thought it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, it, it almost like it caught him off guard, you know, that he hadn't thought about it. Uh, and, and if you watch the video, and, and I hope you do, it's on Twitter, um, you can see that his reaction is genuine. And I think he's having a hard time processing what that really means. He'll likely get to it more in the off season when he's had a chance to sit back. But he sounds like a guy who's still very appreciative for what he gets to do every single day. And it's been difficult. And he talked about how they don't get over it. They'll just get through it, um, being the situations that they've de- they've had to deal with this season and, and everything like that. Um, so it's just, you know, I thought that was, the, the, the entire interview is great. It's about six minutes long. He talks a lot about Cam Rising, about the season, everything else. Uh, so if you have a chance, go go find it. I, uh, the the Lockdown Utes account has retweeted it, but I'm sure it's probably everywhere that you might go to find that kind of stuff. Uh, very much worth your time from Kyle Whittingham. Uh, as Utah ends, heads into one of the biggest games uh, in under his tenure as head coach at the University of Utah. We're going to go ahead and talk about something that's been big in my life. Uh, that's McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. They've always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, uh, where you can go meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Let's be honest, I probably never needed an endless supply of French fries and McFlurries, but I'm grateful to have it anyways. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Uh, McDonald's is, I've talked about this before, I I served a mission overseas in Ukraine, an LDS mission I should say, Uh, and McDonald's was like our embassy. And those golden arches, there's one set just down the street from where I grew up, Uh, they mean familiarity to me and and i know that when i'm going there i remember going to utah basketball games with my dad and we would stop and get mcdonald's before the game and eat it on the way over there uh by that point i think it was preteen teenage years eating double cheeseburgers at that point in time uh one of my favorite things to do always add the mac sauce so wherever you're at whatever you're doing head to your local mcdonald's to refuel and reconnect let's get everybody together this weekend at a McDonald's, maybe locked on youth watch party. That's McDonald's. I'm loving it. These days, we all need a little bit of help. And when it comes to purchasing a house, oh boy, is that the case. 
And there's a reason that no lender helps more families in Utah with their mortgage needs than Intercap Lending. Intercap gets deals done. They have a quick and simple process. Intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And while we all love tempo, right? We love a good tempo offense. We love a good tempo mortgage company. Uh, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process. We want efficiency, just like the Utah offense currently. Intercap lending is incredibly efficient. They're at the top of the spectrum. And that's why they've given you, Locked On Utes listeners, a personal loan officer, Steve Carter. He's delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far. Even Locked On Network founder David Locke. And let's be honest, if Steve can help David on track through that entire process, he can help anyone. Trust me on that one. Though Intercap is new to the Locked On Utes podcast, it's not new. They've been around for a long time assisting customers with all their mortgage needs since 1978. That's 43 years of experience. Steve Carter's been doing it for a long time, since 2018. That's longer than I've been hosting the podcast. They're headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help with all your mortgage needs in 40 different states. So go ahead, give Steve a call. His number is 385-800-8528. You'll not find a more responsive loan officer than Steve Carter. His number again, 385-800-8528. That's Steve Carter with Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, again, give Steve a call or else go to intercaplending.com. Back at it here on the Locked On Utes podcast, and it is mailbag time. I know it's everybody's favorite time to ask the questions and get the answers that you're all just dying to uh, hear, although sometimes I wonder if you really are. Um, It's more fun, I think, probably when Jake's around for the segment um, because I get to riff a little bit more. But we're going to do our best to answer these questions. So we'll go ahead and start off with a show favorite at Peace Love Utes asks if Paul Miley is out. Do they move Nick Ford back to center? If not, who replaces him? It's a good question. Uh, I think that's the most likely scenario unless you feel like – so it's twofold, right? Uh, I, I think it's really hard to start a new center, um, especially if – you know. I think Oregon does run a lot of odd fronts, meaning that they have a nose head up. And so it's good that you have Nick Ford there to help out, and especially the way that Oregon uses Kayvon Thibodeau. You want somebody who's really athletic, who's knowledgeable, who's moving around well in the pocket all, or uh, in the protection package, who can you know uh, help uh, get push in the run game, all that kind of stuff that Nick does so very well. But at the same time, the snap is the most critical part about it. And, and so I worry and, and – if it were me, I would put Nick Ford there at the center position and then bring in whoever it is that you have next up as, as the uh, left guard. And then that way, you know, it, it's a little bit easier for the left guard to kind of float around in, in pass protection, but also uh, just kind of be an angry wrecking ball. And I think they have some uh, some guys on the roster who can do that that maybe uh, aren't as well versed or, or know the offense as well, but they can be physical. And give Utah some good push in the run game. Another good friend of the show at Jesse1585 asks, let's talk scholarship numbers next year. Ten seniors, eight commitments, two RMs. I think, I believe there's only Sione Vaki 
but I could be wrong on that one. That's a Bartle question. Uh, most likely five or so guys leaving. Still don't completely understand the pull forwards. How are we looking? Uh, so the big problem is that the NCAA has still not given a lot of guidance on what's going to happen with these uh, scholarship carryovers. So it's a financial issue. Uh, it's also an NCAA issue. So far, what I understand is that there is going to be uh, an additional amount of initials given to programs so that they can kind of uh, work through the scholarship crunch. They're only going to take about 12 to 15 players in recruiting. So you're not going to be too squeezed for scholarship. I think you're going to have a few guys leaving. Obviously, you're going to have some guys that are are going to likely transfer, and this is going to be how it goes moving forward. And so I don't know that you're going to be in too much of a scholarship crunch. Scholarships are never really the big issue. I think Utah can always fill scholarships. You've got some walk-ons that will likely claim some scholarships. The pull forward I think that you're talking about is is push forward, um, meaning guys that sign in in a class or, or show up at a certain time are pushed into a, the next course, again, or next class. That's because of initials. So initials are the big concern here. You typically get 25 initials a year. Uh, again, the, the reason that the scholarship crunch gets a little iffy is because of the the COVID year with eligibility, and so you're having a lot of guys carry over. But I think you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to move on. Uh, some guys in the program that likely haven't played a lot or are going to exhaust some eligibility, you know, like uh, T-Boney Smith, uh, I, I think it might be the end for him. Britt Covey has talked about how this is likely his last year. Uh, so there, those are two guys on the roster that you're going to free up scholarships with that. Uh, guys who might leave for the NFL, obviously Devin Lloyd is a goner. There are a few others, Bam Oliseni. So there's going to be scholarships. Uh, just how the NCAA counts it is going to be something that we'll have to get to a little bit more in the offseason um, because I don't really – have a whole lot to update on that one yet either. Uh, like I said, we've talked a lot too much about this so far. At Corey Cheech, if I got a personalized NC license plate for Thick Boy 7 but can only fit eight characters, would it be acceptable if it were Thick uh, T-H-I-C-B-O-I-7? Uh, yes. I, I think any version of Thick, you could go T-H-C-C-B-O-I-7 if you wanted to. Um, but look, uh, the, the Thick Boy life is not about um, you know, <laughs> slimming down the details. Uh, it's just about being thick. So, however you want to roll that one in there, uh, go ahead and roll it in there. Another one from uh, Jess C fifteen eighty five Lander at MLB or DE. I know we have a ton of kids that came in last year at the MLB position. Uh, not a ton. Um, so I, I think the Calverts are are both considered to be middle linebackers. Um, but the way that Utah has been running their defense lately, there's enough interchangeability for some of these guys that they can play the rover position. Um, Nephi Sewell, I, I wonder if he's going to stick around, to be honest. He's had a good enough season, and I think there's enough attention on him to where he could go to the NFL and likely get drafted. And that sounds crazy, but you play next to Devin Lloyd the way that Nephi has, and, and, and the film starts to stand out. So so that's an option. Um I don't know. I mean, the defensive end position is stacked as well, right? You're going to have Mika Tufu is likely coming back. Xavier Carlton is going to be back. Van Fillinger is going to be back. Mickey Sungutaranga is back. So he works at both. It's good for him to be uh, versatile in that game. I think the biggest thing he needs to work on is is coverage. You know, so it's very possible 
he doesn't even start next year. It's also possible that he comes in and wins the job uh, as a freshman because he he really does have that kind of potential and that kind of athleticism. I mean, he does work out with a lot of defensive ball guys. So if I'm picking it, I like him at the linebacker position because I just think in this defense you can have more impact there. I understand why people love the idea of him as a defensive end because sacks and, and pressures and everything like that. But I think you want to use his versatility and his athleticism uh, more than that. And if I really had my druthers, I'd put him at the tight end spot. So, yeah. The Rob father, our good friend Rob R0013, says, specifically for Brownie, the lone minor criticism for my late center has been a fair number of high snaps. Never playing center, I have no idea how hard the mechanics of the shotgun pistol snap is to learn. Is this just a reps problem or a mechanics problem in your opinion? It's a good question. There are two ways to, to snap the ball. Uh, there's the point method. I call it the point method where you actually lift the ball up and snap it uh, from the top, holding the point of the football and kind of flip it back. Or there's the traditional method that everybody sees where you kind of wrap your hand around it and flick the wrist. Uh, the biggest problem is not so much mechanics or reps. What it is is, is it's your comfortability or, or your level of comfort with snapping with one hand and getting your second hand up and into the defender. And if you see, ma- the majority of bad snaps come when Utah is facing an odd look where there's somebody head up on him. And the entire goal of that defensive lineman is to get into the center early on. And so that's where you see a lot of that situation. That is a time issue, right? Because the timing of getting the snap up, getting your hand up, being able to position yourself, because I don't know how many of you have ever tried to hit somebody that weighs 300 pounds with one hand between your leg, but it can be pretty tough. So that's a rep issue. Uh, In terms of mechanics, uh, there's not a whole lot of, you know, adjustments to make with the mechanics. Like I said, the the point style, in my opinion, uh, you can kind of keep the snap a little bit lower and it's a little bit easier to flick and and, and kind of get going, but it, it's so much of a comfort thing. And I think both Nick and Paul use the, the hand around the football method. Um, if I were playing, I'd probably use the flip. The, the only danger to that is that it, it can go up and, and possibly over the QB's head or, or it gets a little lazy um, is the biggest thing. So you've really got to kind of snap it back there. Um, but it's just it's a really tough thing to do um and and at times the snaps get a little bit high without a doubt and so you've just got to learn to rep it out and and get better at that aspect of it at red slc 1012 what are your one or two things that must happen for the utes to win score more ports more points aside uh the biggest thing is i think that utah needs to make anthony brown pay they, he has to make mistakes, and they have to capitalize on his mistakes. They have to turn the ball over against Oregon. They have to put Oregon's defense in situations where they can't just uh, play aggressively. They have to be playing safe because if if you get aggressive uh, or if you allow Oregon's defense to get aggressive with you, you 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 just allow Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau to be a menace. And so I think that's a big aspect of it. Uh, defensively, you have to make Anthony Brown pay. have to find a way to get those turnovers. Uh, offensively, I think the biggest thing is that you have to play – cohesively as a unit and you have to get the tight ends going. I think those are two big things. Steve Bartle talked a little bit at Ute Zone about his favorite stat being uh, yards or line yards generated by the offensive line and that if Oregon's offensive line generates a lot of line yards that spells trouble for Utah. A lot of line yards being 3.25 yards and and what it's saying is just basically that no matter what the play is, Oregon can get 3.25 yards in the run game because the offensive line is that good. 
So that's another big part of it right there too. Um, and offensively, it's 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 obviously turnovers, third down conversion. You really need to make uh, Oregon be on the field a long time. More questions coming up on the other side, but I just want to make you aware of the fact that it's a big weekend. You're going to be spending a lot of time watching some college football. You might as well stack a little extra cheese. And I'm not talking about cheddar or Gouda. I'm talking about the cold, hard stuff that's green. So go to betonline.ag right now. They've got that new web interface that we've been talking about. It's a perfect time to do it with basketball season getting in full swing. Thanksgiving, there's tons of tournaments. There'll be props, odds, lines, more than they've ever had before. It's the best spot for basketball and football action this season. You know the you know the drill. Go there, sign up today, make your first deposit. You get a 50% welcome bonus. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On. It's all one word, Locked On. So you've got basketball, you've got football, NHL, boxing, UFC. Maybe you'd like to play a little online poker. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers that are available for the 2021 season. Just go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. You better get to Bill.com before they run out of the coconut brownie crumble. It's my favorite flavor. It is so good. Uh, even if you don't really like coconut, I think it's worth trying. Uh, the, the flavor combination is just awesome. They have another new one, vanilla cream. Looks delicious. They have the protein balls back on the website. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie. The paranormal pumpkin is still there as of this minute. So go to built.com, get those healthy bars that have up to 18 grams of protein, five grams of sugar made with real chocolate. They are the best tasting protein bars out there. I don't know many how many times I have to tell you that. Uh, you don't have to worry about any of the the, the chalkiness or, or the waxy part about it. it it's soft. Covering that real chocolate when you bite into it, you know you're eating it in something different. Uh, so go to builtbar.com. Go to built.com. Use that promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Wrapping up a Friday edition of the Locked on Utes podcast, and boy, am I excited for this weekend. Uh, Jake and I will I will be at the game. I know Jake will be watching. We will uh, try and have as much coverage on Twitter as possible, so follow us at Locked on Utes, at Brown Bear SLC, and at Jacob C. Hatch. We're getting back to the mailbag, finishing things up here. Uh, Red SLC 1012, how much would it cost to eject the uniform haters into the sun? Uh, we're not going to eject them. We're going to love them into submission. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make them, uh, feel at home, comfortable with their uniform takes, uh, and, and just politely remind them like, we love you. It's okay that you're wrong. It's okay that you hate fun things. It's okay that you don't love the idea of celebrating one of the greatest, uh, battleships in history as Jake regaled us uh, the other day uh it, it, we still love you and uh yeah I'm, I'm talking to you matt you know this at you jazz 664 asks can we get more details on what the, you wanted to do with the uniforms and why the dod had to be consulted you can uh that's available at youthzone.com so go sign up for a free trial uh steve bartle has a ton of information there i can't share it here on the podcast because i got it from youthzone.com and i'm sworn to secrecy for that kind of stuff uh, but I, I, um, 
I think there were just markers, trademarks, that kind of stuff is always a, a sticky wicket of a situation. And so that usually is what the sticking point is. I think the DOD just didn't want Utah to use markings and, and things of that nature. And I understand that because it's a very sacred situation, the military and, and the people who serve in it. Uh, it's a unique uh, brotherhood. And while I think it's important to celebrate that kind of stuff, I also understand the importance of 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 allowing those people who served uh, to, to hold some reverence for the positions and for the ships that they served on. And so uh, fully support what the university has done um, to get this ball rolling. I think the, the whole point of what I was trying to say is just like, they went to a lot of effort to make this happen um, and, and, you know, like had to really go back and forth on a lot of things. And so I think they found some really great compromises at triple Tink says, asks, Obviously, it takes a village to stop Thibodeau, but if you were Ludwig and Harding, Harding, what are you telling guys like Bam and Nick Ford? Hold on to your butts. Uh, Just you have to tell these guys it's going to be 60 minutes. You're going to make some mistakes. Stay in the fight. Stay with it. Be engaged. Work with your teammates. This is a unit thing. Uh, It's not an individual thing, and he's going to beat you at some point. He's going to beat you multiple times. All you need to do and all you need to be focused on is getting back into it every single time when it happens and and minimizing the damage. And, and by minimizing the damage, I mean don't grab, don't hold, just keep fighting through the whistle. Last one here from at you daddy. What well, makes the three well, we're gonna go with one more. What makes the three tight end set so effective? How many teams in the country could run it? out as well as Utah Stanford probably one that could run a three tight end set it's not so much the three tight end set that that's effective what it is is how Utah uses it and it's it's flop motion it's being able to go one by one with the tight ends so that you can lengthen the edge or the 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 width of your line of scrimmage because the more you can spread a defense out the easier it is to find gaps and so it's that combined with the fact that Utah has tight ends who can set the edge, meaning they can block on the edge, they can maintain blocks, they don't get knocked back um, by defensive ends. And so that's really what makes it effective. It's not necessarily that you're using three tight ends. Um, it's the personnel. It's the tight ends themselves. Uh, but also I think what it is is that Utah has a lot of versatility out of that possession, position um, group. I, what if I told you that Utah is actually more effective running the football with just Brent Keithy on the field than any other set? Would you believe that? I wonder if people would or not. But the three, the three tight end set is actually more effective, I think, in the pass game for what it brings and, and for how you have to defend it because uh, where defenders have to position themselves, you know, you're bringing safeties down in the box, you're having to spread out that defense, it, it gives you more opportunity and creates more natural space. And, and again, the key component to offense is you always want to create space for your place to get, uh, to get traction. So I said that was going to be the last one. I kind of fibbed. Because the last question has to go out to uh, Josh at Joshua underscore Neumann. Newman. Oh, Newman. Newman. Uh, Never do not know uh, this individual. Looks to be uh, looks to be uh, a a tallish chap from his uh, picture. Uh, Devilishly handsome. So good for him. Um, I'm sure he is very. uh, very unmistakably bland and has no hot takes whatsoever based on this question. Whose beard is more glorious at S Bartle 24 seven or 
at Jfur KSL. So Steve Bartle or Josh Furlong, boy, oh boy, you talk about putting a guy in a tough position. And I think what we really need to get down to is this. Uh, do you like spread offense or do you like power offense? Because I think Steve Bartle has a rich, full beard. He has very long, uh, glorious redwood-like whiskers, thick, uh, well-coiffed. Uh, you know, you, you see them and they just flow from his face with strength. Um, and, and just, you know, like, like sitting in a forest, you, you just feel overwhelmed and happy viewing that. So, uh, do you like the power beard or the power offense on Steve Bartle's face? Or do you like the, uh, the tight, compact, uh, bushiness of Josh Furlong's beard? Uh, the, uh, the, the hippiness of his beard, uh, where, where it looks like it's more, you know, a lot of variety of things can go on with that beard. Uh, you see, uh, Furlong wearing his hat and his flip flops. Uh, well, he's not wearing flip flops now cause it's freezing cold outside, but, uh, that beard, oh boy, can that beard run some offense. So I don't know which one you guys like best. Uh, you know, Steve has had that beard going for a long time. I'm glad to see that Josh has kept his beard going. I hope it lasts as long as he can stand it. Uh, because it is beautiful, albeit it's been uh, yeah, tricky, tricky to spot. So if you're going to be watching the high school football games today, maybe you'll see a side of the glorious beard that is Josh Furlong's. But I'm not the one to answer that question. Uh, I think that's maybe one we'll throw up in a poll or uh, let Twitter answers um, rain in at Lockdown Newts. That is it for today's show. Thank you for hanging in with us this week. It's been a great week to break down a lot of Oregon stuff. If you missed any episodes, be sure to catch Sammy Mora. She was on on Wednesday. Be sure to catch our statistics episode on Thursday. There's actually a great uh, companion on Utezone.com written by a good friend of the program, Andrew McCullough, in which he also breaks down uh, the statistical evaluations from our friends at Stats of War. So go ahead and read it. We might as well call it a companion piece. That's it for me this week. Thank you for hanging in there with me. We appreciate you listening, following along both on social media and on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Just want to remind you that uh, Locked on Bets is also free and available on all platforms to give you uh, the one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is the way to go uh, so you can use those bet online free dollars to make you more money. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for November 19th, 2021, and we will talk to you again next week.